Good to be here tonight, and uh, we're excited what God is doing in the lives of the Levine family. And um, <clears throat> just so you know, um, we had very little with where they're going next, um, so please don't be mad at us. We are, we are happy they're coming our direction, and uh, when we're home, we'll get to see them, amen, uh, which is not often. But uh, we're thankful for them and their friendship, and uh, we especially love their children. And uh, started all back with uh, Hurricane Sandy <clears throat> the night that uh, this one over here was born. And we hauled them to the Yale Hospital in the hurricane, and I thought, we are not having a baby in my car. <laughs> I thank the Lord for safe delivery the next morning, well after they were out of the car. And uh, it was a joy to serve here at uh, White Oak Baptist Church. I have many friends here. We're thankful for you and how you've loved on the uh, Levine family. Uh, God has blessed uh, our friendship as well. And through the years, uh, we've been able to spend a little time here and there with them and and with you. And we're thankful for your faithfulness to us as your missionaries. And we pray that that will continue on many, many years as God has some great things ahead. And uh, maybe that even Brother Levine will be uh, traveling with us to uh, India. I don't know. We'll see what, about that. And uh, he already has a, a visa. Amen. <clears throat> the visa is good for 10 years, so... <laughs> If you take your Bible, turn to John chapter 13. I have just a few minutes here. I'd like to share a short challenge to David. And uh, to those who can hear, uh, certainly God can use this in all of our lives. As we look at the life of of Christ and the the spirit of a servant. John chapter 13, I'll, I'll begin in verse Let's see here, verse 12, there's much more there, but I'll start with verse 12. It says, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we ask that you would meet with us in this short time. Lord, uh, speak to our hearts from this passage the example that is given here by our, our dear Savior. I pray, God, that you would please work in each heart, especially uh, use this message to challenge David as he goes forward, forward from here, that you would use him in even greater ways in the days to come. We thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. And in Matthew chapter 20, just a couple of verses here, in verse 27, 28, we are reminded of what Christ came for, 
And whosoever will be chief among you, he's speaking to his disciples who are quibbling over who would be in charge and who would be the greatest and, and who would sit next to Jesus and things like this, uh, not showing a lot of humility. Uh, they said, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In, chap- in Mark chapter 10, a similar passage, <clears throat> Jesus again speaking in verse 44, and we'll start with verse 43, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we have this as a setting for servanthood, the spirit of a servant. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, being the chief servant, the one who gives us our example. He is the one we need to follow. It's not another man. It's not a a great preacher somewhere off in the distance, but the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in us and is ever near us. We must follow him. We must follow his example. And here in John chapter 13 again, he's reminding his disciples of the importance of humility, the importance of servanthood as as a minister, that God wants to use us and can use us in even greater ways as we surrender ourself as a servant. Even Albert Einstein knew the value of this, as he said, only a life lived in service for others is worth living. Jesus said in verse 14, basically, the greatest is the servant. The greatest is the servant. The greatest is not the one who is in charge, not the one who has the biggest church, not the one who is in the newspaper, but the one who is serving, the one who is willing to serve the lowly, I'll remind you that Jesus was a servant who sacrificed himself for the success of someone else. Romans 12.1 tells us how we're to do that, that we're to present our, our bodies a living sacrifice unto him. Jesus washed the feet. Think about this a moment. Jesus washed the feet of a doubter, a denier, and a deceiver. All who, in one way or another, betrayed him. A doubter named Thomas, who would not believe until he saw the nail prints in his hands and the spear wound in his side. A doubter, Jesus willingly bowed before each of these twelve disciples and washed their feet, knowing that one day Thomas would say, I will not believe until I see. And he was a man who lived by sight, not by faith. Jesus knew that Peter would, before Christ's crucifixion, he would deny him three times. And how, how Peter grieved when he realized Jesus had seen him deny him that third time. Yet Jesus 
was willing to bow before Peter and wash his dirty, stinky feet because he was a servant. He was a servant. And then the worst of all, Judas Iscariot, the deceiver, the one who pretended for three years to be a follower of Jesus, the one who pretended to care, the one who pretended his whole life was pretending. My friends, I hope that's not to be said of any of us, that we'll be a pretender before the Lord Jesus, because though he did not stop Judas, he knew Judas. He knows all things. He knows the motives of our heart. He knows what we're about, and he can see in the inward parts of our heart. And so we must always serve him from a pure heart. Yet Jesus bowed before Judas, who was willing to humble himself before a man who would betray him to the authorities. Loved him anyway, maybe hoping he would not deceive him, maybe hoping he would turn and get and trust the Savior, but he knows all things. So my question, Brother David, is whose life will you touch for eternity? Jesus touched the lives of these who were not loyal, were not faithful, did not believe. And there will be many people in your life in ministry who will be just like these folks who will doubt the Word of God or doubt your Word as you, you preach and you try to help them. And sometimes the very ones you help the most will hurt you the most. It's a very difficult thing in the ministry. But we must follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ because he was willing to still love. He was still willing to go to Calvary for them, though they were not wholeheartedly on his side yet. And what an example is given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And so there will be some feet we must wash, not literally, fortunately, but in a sense, there will be people who may be less lovable that God wants us to help. There will be those who may turn on us, and we may even realize that that could happen. Yet, we should follow the, the example of the Savior, willing to humble ourselves before them, serve them, as Jesus would. As Jesus would. God has used you, brother. He has great things ahead. I pray that you will take this challenge to heart that God wants to do even more in your life, in your family. He has many great things ahead, but we must remain faithful. Even when hurt, even when betrayed, we must keep our eyes on the Savior, the one who is the true servant, 
the true example to follow. Though man can fail us, he never fails. He's always faithful. And he wants to continue to use us in greater ways than we can imagine. And he wants us to be a humble servant so he can use us even more than we can imagine. He says, if you know these things, happy are ye. It doesn't say if you know them. Happy are ye if you do them. Joy in the, in the uh, service of the king is through doing as he's commanded. Following his example as the greatest servant of all. Pastor? All right, what a great challenge. What a great challenge, Pastor David. I hope you take that to heart. Well, let's take our Bibles over to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I want to just take a few minutes and challenge the church. 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's read the first four verses there. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Notice who the letter is written to. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing, Paul says, I have remembrance of thee, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. How do you handle, as a church, how do you handle uh, a man of God who's been ordained? How, what is it that you can do to help him, to support him, to care for him? A man who is called to the gospel ministry. And I want to tonight give you three ways that you can support Pastor David and Miss Krista and their three fine children. Even from a distance, even from a distance. The first way that I'd like for us to look at how we can be a support to the Levine family as God has called them into the gospel ministry is to support them through prayer. Support them through prayer. Look, up, look back with me at verse number 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. God had, or rather uh, Paul, had uh, commissioned Timothy into the gospel ministry. And Timothy had gone and taken over a church. Timothy has pastored a church now for a handful of years. And he is in the throes of doing the work of the Lord. Please understand that uh, uh, the, the day and age which Timothy pastored in uh, was not kind to Christianity on any level. Christians were being thrown in jail. In fact, Paul had thrown some folks in jail prior to his conversion, back when his name was Saul. And uh, folks were being persecuted for their stance for Christ. And Timothy was leading a church in an era where uh, church was not, not only was it not popular, but it was attacked. And it was, uh, there was violence raised against the church. And Paul tells Timothy, Pastor Timothy, he says, 
uh, I want you to know that out of impure conscience, that I do not cease to pray for you day and night. He said, the number one thing I can do to support you from a distance... I'm Paul. My name is Paul. I'm sitting in a jail cell and I can't do anything from this jail cell. But what I can do is, Timothy, I can pray for you. I can pray for you. If you want to know how you can be a blessing to the Levines, to Pastor David and Miss Krista as they leave and go here, commit to pray for them every single day. Pray for them. Pray for divine protection around them. I can tell you right now that uh, Satan would love nothing more than for God to lower the wall of protection that is around the Levines and to hurt them and to take them out. Uh, Just like God allowed the wall to be lowered around Job and for Job's children to be killed and Job's wife uh, uh, to be discouraged and distraught and Job's health to be touched. Satan would love nothing more uh, than to do that uh, to the Levines. And this evening, I would like to encourage all of the fine folks of White Oak Baptist Church and and beyond that love David and Krista and and uh, Kiara and, Dan- and Dan- Daniel and Titus. And I would say, pray for God's hand of protection around them, both now and into the future. Not only pray for God's divine protection, but pray that God helps uh, maintain doctrinal purity and moral purity. If Satan cannot touch his health, Satan will next go after his moral purity. We live in a very perverse era and day and age. And uh, again, I'm going to address the church. I've had many long conversations with uh, uh, Pastor David Levine about this topic and just how perverse and dark this world is. Unfortunately, every year there are many pastors that fall by the wayside because they cannot behave themselves. They allow their morality to be attacked and they fall prey. When that happens to a pastor, it is always tragic. It is always tragic. It is never something to be scoffed at. It is never something to laugh about. It is, it is always a tragedy. And you say, well, what can I do to help make sure that does not happen to uh, Pastor Levine? I would say, get on your knees and pray that God protects his purity. Pray that he uh, has uh, continues to keep in place the uh, accountability that he already has in place, and that as he goes uh, uh, beyond uh, our ministry and continues in a ministry, that his moral purity would stay protected. If God cannot uh, attack his marriage, or rather, if Satan cannot attack his marriage and pull that apart, next Satan will go after his uh, doctrinal purity. He'll try to pull him apart and make him apostate with his doctrine. Last night, the deacon board and some other ordained ministers from the area, as well as Brother Johnson, sat in a room upstairs. And uh, we, we, we cross-examined his doctrine, and he passed the test with flying colors. Not one false answer, not one wrong answer. Uh, and, I, and I knew he would do great. I was confident for him. After spending three years around him and listening to him teach and preach and explain the scripture and having many conversations with him. But can I tell you that many, many preachers have had it right and then somewhere went off the rails. 
Pray that we, uh, he needs us to lift him up in prayer. Not only uh, prayer for doctrinal, or rather divine protection and doctrinal and moral impurity, but also pray for his personal godliness. Pray for his personal godliness. If Satan can't get uh, his health and he can't get his doctrine, he can't get his morality, the next thing Satan will go for is to try to distract him from a personal walk with God. A personal walk with God. You're too busy today to read your Bible. You're too busy to pray. Pray that his personal godliness will remain intact. His character, his integrity, his walk with the Lord. Next, pray for his marriage. Um, pray for his marriage. I have seen uh, Satan be able to climb in and destroy so many marriages of pastors. So many marriages of pastors. The church yanks on the pastor, and uh, the work is never done, and you could work 168 hours in a week. There's always another gospel track to be passed out, another tweak to your sermon, another corner of the building that can be cleaned, uh, something else. And at some point, the man of God has to go home and be with his wife and with his kids and make sure he's taking good care of them and making sure that the home life is good. Pray that God protects his marriage. It's been a blessing to not only get to know David over the last three years, but to also get to know Krista as well. And God has given Pastor Levine a godly wife. A godly wife. My wife and I have watched as this couple have gone through the heartache of miscarriages. And we have watched the godliness that Mrs. Levine has carried herself with. We have watched as they've gone through other private struggles and, and whatnot and, and just watched as she has been a, a backbone of godliness. And they're weathered and they're proven. But I'm going to tell you this evening that even the best marriage, even the strongest marriage can be tore apart. They need you to pray for them that their marriage stays strong. Pray for their children. Pray for their children. If Satan cannot get... His health, if Satan cannot get his doctrinal or moral purity, if Satan cannot distract him from reading his Bible and praying, if Satan can't get his marriage, then the next place Satan goes is at the children. If he can somehow tear down the reputation of the children, then he will tear down the reputation of the man of God. You pray that God puts his hand of protection around Kiara and Daniel and Titus. And that they grow up to not just love God because mom and dad do, but they love God because it's in their heart to love him. How do you support God's man? Well, support him through prayer. Number two, notice support through praise. Support through praise. Look back at Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call into remembrance the unfeigned faith. That is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You know what he's doing here? He's saying, Timothy, I know you're discouraged. I can feel your tears. And he's saying, I'm here to tell you that I want to lift you up and I want to elevate, uh, 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 elevate uh, you in prayer that your spirit will be uh, lifted up. Now, I'm going to be very clear here. God gets all the credit and honor and glory for anything any flawed human does uh, for the kingdom of God. To God be the glory, not great things we have done, but great things he hath done. 
Pastor David, you've seen a lot of people saved in your ministry, and you're going to see a lot more people, I pray, saved through your ministry. You and your wife are both soul winners, and you you love to share the gospel. I've watched as you both have been uh, um, uh, avid soul winners and and, and, and gone after it, but I'm, I'm here to tell you there's going to be a day where you're going to be very discouraged, and you're going to want to throw in the towel and quit, because the ministry is just going to be more bearing on you than you can even imagine. I believe that those days are coming for my wife and I as well. But can I tell you, when they get to that place, it'd be really good for you to send them a letter in the mail. Uh, Can I tell you something? A handwritten letter means more than a text message. Take out a card and write out by hand a letter and drop that in the mail and let them know you love them and pray. Can I tell you something else? A, A gift card to a coffee shop or a restaurant that means even more than that, that, that makes that handwritten note go even further. Occasionally send them a text, give them a call, let them know that you love them, support them through praise. Now, where I was going with that earlier is that while God gets the credit, God has in his toolbox hammers he takes out and he uses and uh, to accomplish that work. And those hammers or screwdrivers or whatever assortment of uh, tool object you want to use are representative of us as Christians that God uses to build his church. And God has chosen the, the hammer labeled Levine on the top of it, David Levine. And he, he wants to use that to build his church. And God gets the credit because God's swinging the hammer. But let me tell you something. Sometimes that hammer, even as hard-headed as it may be, God uh, gets tired and wore out. And, and they need us to come along and love and support and pick them up. You, you can, you can uh, uh, and I wrote down here, ways to voice your encouragement to Pastor Levine. Write him a personal letter. Take him and his family out to eat. Send, send him an encouraging text message. Call him and ask how he is doing. Oftentimes we call people with the intent of, of encouraging them, and we just talk about ourselves. So call him and ask him how he is doing. Let him know that you have prayed for him and mean what you say. Don't just say, I prayed for you, or I'm praying for you. Mean what you say. Uh, If he's made a difference in your life, would you voice that to him? If this couple has made a difference in your life at some point before they load up the moving truck and move to Ohio, will will you pull him to the side and let him know how God has used him in your life? Support through praise. I think of those verses that talk about in Proverbs. Proverbs 3.27, Proverbs 25.11. I believe it's 25.11 says, uh, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. Number three, lastly, support through pay. Support through pay. Turn back over to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and look at verse number 17. Now again, First and Second Timothy and Titus are the, uh, the pastoral epistles. Look at verse number 17 with me. It says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, what does it mean when it says that he is to be counted worthy of double honor? Um, uh, it means you're to pay him what he's worthy to be paid. Pay him what he's worthy to be paid. Now, White Oak Baptist Church has 
paid the Levines a salary that the church could afford to pay him. But can I tell you, as they get ready to depart and go to Ohio, you may not be prepared to give right now. Can I encourage you to reach back into your pocketbook and put your money where your love is? To show them that you love them? Let's send them out with a... a uh, I need to put my phone on vibrate. Let's let's put let's send them out with a uh, let's send them out with a bang. Let's show them that we love them. Uh, let's show them that we care about them. You say, well, I don't really have it uh, to give. Well, I'm not saying you go into debt to give to them, uh, but if you have abundance sitting there, why not reach back in your pocket and give it to them? Give it to them with a note that lets them know the difference that they have made in your life. Give toward his pastoral library. Give toward his transitional needs. I'm going to tell you that there are pastors out there. I'll finish with this thought. There are pastors out there who are not in it for the right reasons. They're in it for the money. They're just flat out in it for the money. In fact, the reputation that pastors have is, I want your money. Give me your money. Well, you want to get rich off of you. Can I tell you that that's not the attitude at this church, and it's not the attitude of Pastor Levine. It's not in this to get rich. He's in this for the eternal reward of seeing souls reached and lives changed. God has called him to ministry. God has called him to serve. And as a church, let's support. Let's support the Levines. Oh, let's support them tonight. We'll go upstairs in a few minutes, have cake and coffee. We'll pat them on the back. We'll... We'll let them know we love them. But how about in six months? How about in six years? Let's continue to show them that we love them. Lord, thank you for this time where we could challenge the church, challenge the candidate to be ordained. Lord, thank you for the seven years the Levines have invested into this place. Lord, I'm personally thankful for the three years that I've gotten to know him. Lord, we pray that he would feel loved tonight, that he would feel challenged tonight to go forth and be a minister that's worthy of the gospel. May he take Brother Johnson's challenge to heart. May he be a servant. May he be willing to wash the feet of even those that are not lovely. Lord, bless the remainder of our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.